Greetings, everybody. This is a Travel Addict podcast where you can hear candid stories and discussions about business and adventure travel from around the world with activities such as trekking, diving, camping, driving, cruising, and just plain chilling out somewhere. We talk about lots of experiences in places all over the world, including the grand, the remote, the edgy, the risque, and ones of questionable merit. Education, fulfillment, and wonder enrich our lives. And of all the books in the world, the best stories are found between the pages of a passport. Stay tuned. Hello, everybody. Malcolm Teasdale here, a.k.a. The Travel Addict. Glad you could join me today. With me is a gentleman called Tom Kretzky. And we'll tell more about his website a bit later on. But uh, Tom is um, an industry influencer. He's a mentor of sorts, and he coaches and provides information to corporations, okay, to help them succeed in life, which is absolutely great thing to do. So he's got various uh, leadership philosophies here, but he's also been living on or has lived in several of the continents in the world, which is extraordinary, really. I've lived on a couple myself, but he's lived on more. And due to the fact is in the industry, we sometimes have to relocate to get more business. But Tom is here. We'll find a bit more about him. He's a man of the world, so to speak, which is great. So Tom, how are you doing today? Well, I'm living the dream and uh, I am no longer traveling. I'm down in uh, Southern California in, in beautiful San Diego. I have a Great little condo right on the beach. So walk up my back door and I have my toes in the, in the sand and the ocean. So it's it's a lot of fun here. Uh, and, and and look, now it's difficult to get me on a plane because uh, back, uh, I think the last time I was really in my heyday was back in 2004. Uh, I built up, uh, I think, 240,000 miles on British Air and another 200,000 on Lufthansa program. Yeah, uh, and that that was just in one year. So I literally left my house early Monday morning. I was at the airport, and went country hopping for the whole week. Yeah, and then you know came came back in you know late Friday evening and Saturday Sunday home, and then you know started Monday again. So just uh, a lot of traveling all over the world. So it, it's been fun. Uh, I got to see a lot, and I got to live a lot. Uh, but now I'm. Uh, enjoying life a lot more comfortably locally. All right. Yeah. You mentioned about having your, your feet in the sand there. That's a cool thing. I had my feet in the sand yesterday, but I was in a bunker on a golf course trying to get the ball. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit different. But I tell you what about travel, there's three things. I, I did started my travel extensively when I did move to America many, many years ago. And I went through three phases. The first phase was excitement because obviously I got to see America, which was great. And then I did some more international travel. It was exciting. And then I went through the phase of, well, I'm sick and tired of doing this, just getting up early hours of the morning, just spending a long day on the road and going somewhere, getting no sleep at night. So I got tired and sick and tired of it. Then phase three was just complete acceptance of the fact that I had to do it, and that was it. <laughs> so that goes away. And uh, all in all, looking back, it is, it is, we have some great memories on that. So you've settled down. Now all you're relaxing, chilling out in San Diego, great place. I haven't spent much time in San Diego, but it's one thing I probably need to do looking forward here. 
during your your travel, yeah, we're going to talk a bit about your book later on, but during the travel, you have lived in, I think you said six continents, right? Uh lived in uh lived on two continents, but but worked on all six. So worked on all six. I okay. Yeah. So, so, so I traveled, so like I never I never lived in Brazil, but I spent uh about three, four days a month every month in Brazil for four years. Uh so it, it's kind of that combination of of uh going but one of the things i always did was i try to uh, enjoy the local uh, flavor the local country so i would take uh, vacation time where i would take personal time to to see like when i was down in brazil i went to see iguazu falls all right there's no, no business in iguazu cool. falls but it's you know it's absolutely you know breathtaking and gorgeous uh compared to niagara falls which is what we have in uh, buffalo new york so yeah exactly um, so, so one of the things I I never plan. I wanted to go to Fernando Isle. All my local Brazilian friends said you got to get there because it's one of the best scuba diving places in the world, and there's no large five star hotels there. They don't allow them. Yeah, but I never made it to uh, Fernando Isle, so that was uh, bad. You know, too bad on me. Well, maybe there'll be another time. Whereabouts in Brazil did you were your business with Rio's Sao Paulo or? No, I was in uh, Mini Dry. Okay, got it. Yeah, so it was uh, it was the coffee business. So you know, Minigerais is probably one of the largest coffee growing regions in in the uh, uh, the world, and then the the I guess the the capital of, of Minigerais region is called Belo Horizonte. So okay. Belo Horizonte is where the uh, the factory was. That's where the business was. So I would fly into São Paulo, uh, go up to uh, fly up to. Uh, uh, Belo Horizonte, and then yeah. during my stays there, we would uh, visit you know different parts of the country for different distributors, different customers, different plantations. So it, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, um, you know when you went there, just fine. Like I, I went to work in Sao Paulo and uh, Rio, and I thought go to Rio. This sounds great. My business partner said, "Yeah, right. You really have to go there. I don't believe it." But but yeah, there was an opportunity there, but. I think with your international travel, when you go into business, you have to sort of learn a little bit about the culture of the people you're going to meet, right? It, it does help even a little bit, bit about the history. So I remember when I went to Rio, the the guys who I was met there, they took me to a local soccer game at the Maracana Stadium. Very edgy, by the way, you know, it's, uh, but we left 10 minutes before the match ended. I felt great, but the guy said, take your watch off, don't show any jewelry, blah, 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 just behave. Where else in South America did you go to, by the way? Is it uh, you, you like that continent? I like the continent. I don't know. I, I, I'm one of those people who appreciate the local flavor of wherever I went. I mean, look, you know, I uh, I lived in Mexico, and Mexico City is not the safest place in the world to live, but right. it has a lot to offer. Mexico has a lot to offer. Um, you know, once you get past the fact that there's federales and guns everywhere, I, I guess that's for your protection. And, um, you know, crime is, is rampant in Mexico, even back in, in 2000 when I was living there, but it, it has a lot of beauty to offer. You know, the Mexican coastline is one of the most beautiful ones in the world. Yeah. Um, you know, the, 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 the culture of life and enjoying life, uh, was, was wonderful and I embraced it. So and I also, I was also done in Argentina which is well you know argentina is like europe right so <laughs> for, for the most part <laughs> yeah so that's right um, 
Uh, I would say, you know, the three large places. And I, I, I wanted to make it to Chile, but I didn't make it there. But, you know, Argentina, Brazil, and uh, Mexico, although Mexico, I guess, is Central America rather than Latin America. Yeah. Um, you know, South Africa, Middle East, uh, Morocco, uh, a lot of time in Israel, uh, Turkey. Well, that's half Middle East, half Europe. Yeah. Uh, a lot of time in Eastern Europe. Uh, in the you know the former Eastern Republics, by birth I was Hungarian, so you know I, I grew up in Hungary until I was twelve years old. Right. Uh, so spent time in Hungary, uh, Czech Republic, Slovakia, Poland, Russia, Ukraine, uh, Romania, Bulgaria, uh, all those. Uh, Serbia, yeah, Serbia mm-hmm. was uh, that was a fun, fun little uh, project that we had there. So, yeah, been. Uh, been just about everywhere. everywhere. I can probably I could probably order beer in like seventeen different languages or something. So, so that, you know, that is funny it. you say that, Tom, because in my mind, there's two words in English that are known throughout the world: is taxi and beer. Right? <laughs> I just think everyone don't want to. I, I just came back from Ukraine myself. There is a language barrier here, but they do know taxi and they do know beer, which you know, <laughs> supports my theory. I'm just saying. You know? <laughs> um, yeah. So um, I, I can I can order beer in many languages. I've uh, I've eaten. I mean, there's very few things I haven't eaten. Uh, my, my palate basically says anything with caraway seeds. Um, do not eat because I just you know don't like it. I don't like cinnamon. So I learned the hard way that uh, there's a in Northern Europe there's a liqueur called akavit. Linear Akavit, which is actually made out of fermented caraway seeds. And I didn't know that the, the first time I, had, I took sure. a shot of that. About that. So, but the caraway seeds were part of another dish, were they, that you ate? Or was it just- no, so, so what happened was uh, the, the old folk there. And if you look at really premium linear Akavit, it has a stamp on it. They actually put it in a boat and, you know, have it go somewhere and come back to shore. But the original story was there was an accident and the caraway seeds they were transporting on this boat yeah. uh, fermented and it, be, it turned you know any any grain you know turns into alcohol and it, once it ferments so then it became um a custom that you know linear acrovit you actually get a stamp on this bottle that it left, left the port and went somewhere and came back but it's really distilled caraway seeds and so you take a shot and you you're getting this really you know, uh, very full flavor shot of caraway seeds. And that's one of the things that, you know, doesn't go well with me. But the, the other thing that I learned is, is look, if it rots somewhere in the world, somebody's making out of alcohol out of it. You know, if you're, yeah. if you're in Mexico, then you're making alcohol out of, you know, cactus plants and that turns into tequila, you know? Yeah. I never thought of it like that actually, but uh, I guess that must that be turned into yeah. whiskey. If you're, in Kentucky, it's corn made into bourbon. I mean, you know, if you're in Italy, it's uh, in Italy. I guess it's grapes into uh, to grappa. So it's it's you know any anything that rots turns into alcohol. And then regarding foods, wherever I was all over the world, I, I I've had uh, snake, I've had uh, brains, I had all kinds of innards, I I had worms. Uh, which actually tastes pretty good until you look across the table and you'll see the other person eating worms and you go, oh, that looks disgusting. <laughs> Just put some hot sauce on it, man. That's what you're going to do. Um, I, I, I had ants eggs. You know, ants eggs, they, uh, it's a delicacy in in Mexico or part of Mexico. So I, I got this dish there. My local host says, oh, you got to try this. These are delicious. 
And and it looks like tabbouleh, right? It looks like tabbouleh. And I'm looking at it. I was like, what is it? This must be monster, monster ants. So yeah, I've uh, I've had all kinds of stuff. And and actually, if you just don't think about what it is, it tastes no. pretty good. Yeah, yeah. And there's probably lots of stuff you've eaten that you don't know. There's some stuff hidden there, and you know. But again, you you go to a place, and it may be a business meeting. And of course, they want to take you out to a local restaurant, and you say, "Sure, sure, absolutely." So, well, you just say, "Just order for me," which is the right thing to do. And you'd be surprised what lands upon your plate. Then you feel obliged to eat it. I, I, in Beijing, I, the same thing. I just had a two-hour meeting. Said, "Well, Malcolm, we'll take you out for lunch to one of our local restaurants." I said, no, "Just order for me," and I popped on my plate a plate full of chicken feet. They watched me eat it. Uh, but I did ask for some hot sauce, and that that was okay. I I got through it, you know. But you just you do it, don't you? <laughs> well, you know, part of it is is uh, countries that are poor. You know, they they don't waste any part of the of the game. Right? So, mm-hmm. you know, chicken feed is part of the chickens, and and that was uh, on a Hungary in in Hungary, where I was born in on farms. They all you know they make because but one of the other things is when you make soup. Bones really add a lot of flavor. So if you got a lot of bony stuff in your soup, yeah. that adds a lot of flavor. And, and chicken feet have a lot of you know bones in it. So I remember my wife uh, when we were dating. We were in Hungary on a farm with relatives, and you know they made soup and they you know ladled out, and there was a chicken feet that ended up in her plate, <laughs> and she was like. Oh my God, I can't eat this. I said, Oh, you know, it's it's actually a delicacy. It's delicious. It goes, have you seen where chickens walk? I am not <laughs> I'm not eating that. I, I thought you were gonna say that's all right, my dear. That it tastes, tastes like chicken. <laughs> so, I know it's uh it could be bad. I remember being in Buenos Aires and this first day there and being a Brit going to Buenos Aires, I wasn't sure whether Falklands War was in their heads when they took me to lunch that day. And we had lunch. They ordered stuff, a bunch of appetizers. And I asked them after we'd eaten it, so what was that, gentlemen? And they talked among themselves, about four of them. They said, yeah, I think the correct translation is cow glands. Glands, <laughs> <Right. laughs> huh? Yeah, glands. <laughs> I said, okay, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> no, good And I'm thinking, you know, Thinking, um, yeah, the Falklands War and Diego Maradona's hand of God goal. I, probably, uh, that, that's, that's a soccer thing, but you know, I thought, yeah, oh, yeah, I get it. But it, it's all right at the end of the day. It's it's all part. But now you talk, you spent some time in Asia as well, right? Yeah, whereabouts? I'm a I'm a big fan of Asia, by the way. That's why uh, I was in Thailand. I was in Singapore, Philippines, and Hong Kong. Hong Kong, yeah, Hong Kong. What was the most recent time you were over there, by the way? How many years ago? Uh, probably somewhere between 96 and 2001. 2001. Okay, got it. Yeah. Yeah. So I know I lived in Singapore between 2007 and 2008, and it was wonderful, actually. Wonderful experience. Spotlessly clean, no crime, all that stuff. Whereabouts in Thailand did you did you go to? Well, uh, the factory and a company was in Bangkok, obviously. But uh, while I was I was there, uh, I think I was there on six or eight weeks on a project. Yeah. So we did take the time. You know, we took a ride down to Phuket. Um, you know, we did have some uh, an opportunity to discover the outskirts of uh, of Bangkok. So I don't think we traveled too far, but maybe like two three hours outside of uh, of Bangkok to Bangkok, some of the yeah. historic, you know some of the historical sites. So. 
Um, and, and that's relative in Bangkok because two, three hours, you, it may take you go, you know, you may go four blocks in two, three hours in, in Bangkok. Tra- traffic is, uh, is, is so bad. But um, I, and, and I agree with you. Singapore, when I was there, I, I called it the Switzerland of the Far East. It, it was just so pristine and yeah. so clean. Um, so I really enjoyed that. And I love the zoo, going to the Singapore Zoo at night. Yeah, was, okay, uh, absolutely. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's a good place, and we enjoyed our, our time there. And we've been back a couple of times just for nostalgic purposes. Yeah, uh, uh, Thailand, of course, is always fun. It's culturally rich, traffic problem, but probably not as bad as Manila in the Philippines. <laughs> Did you go to Manila, by the way? You must have, uh, no, no, no. I, I didn't make it there, no. Okay, just as well. Every time I meet a Filipino, it was a joke about the traffic. And they know exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. It's just yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. So, yeah, you, you, you've been over there. So based on where you've been or stayed, what sort of your place you would – I don't want to use the term bucket list because it really is an overused term as far as I'm concerned. But if you wanted to be in San Diego now, if you get the urge to go somewhere – because as we get older, more f- life is fragile. There will come a time where we can't do this stuff anymore. So I'm just curious if there was a couple of places out there you would go again. Where would it be, or places you haven't been to before? Uh, well, to go back, you know, some of the favorite places that I've been to. I, I love Barcelona. That's one of the favorite cities in in Europe. Uh, I love um, Italy. Uh, Bologna is uh, to me the food capital of the world. The best food in the world is in Bologna. Mm-hmm. And Bologna doesn't get a lot of good press because nobody knows that everybody says, you know, Rome or Milan, but Bologna is, or Florence, but Bologna is just in that region. And if you like Alba truffles, that's, uh, that's where you go, you know, during uh, October, <laughs> October, November. Um, had a great time in Sydney. I really like Sydney. I wouldn't mind going back there again, uh, just the lifestyle and stuff. Um, I, I'd love to discover a little bit more about Africa because, um, you know, I think Africa is is a is a continent that has a lot to offer, and I don't think I've even scratched the surface. Uh, so, if if I had a chance, I would you know definitely you know love to spend some more time in South Africa, discover that a little bit more, uh, maybe just go up and down the eastern coast and west coast, western coast. I love I love the ocean, so I lo- I love to see you know both the eastern and western coast a little bit yeah. and, and discover it more. So, um, yeah, that that that's really got my attention. In fact. Myself and my wife have a flight uh, book there next August. We go into flying to Johannesburg, but we really go into the country of Namibia because mm-hmm. it has the oldest desert in the world. And we're just going to go to a lodge and stay there. There's a few wonderful sites to see there. Check it out because I've spoken to a couple of people and they said it's unbelievable. And then after we to Namibia for a week, we go on the East Coast to Zanzibar or something like that. Yeah, I mean – I went been to South Africa uh, before, loved it, and North Africa. But it's these these places where maybe not many people think about going, but they are places of beauty, and that's what's piqued my interest. So uh, that's that's what I have uh, on the map for us to do. And uh, and next June, since I'm from England, we're going to just go to rent a house in England in the English countryside for a month and stay there. Yeah, be a cool thing to do. Like relatives and friends, so. So uh, that's what we're go, going to be doing. And uh, but are you, are you going back to the work side? Are, are you are you still working now? Are you you still doing what you're doing? The consulting and mentoring? well, you know, at this stage of my life, I call it giving back. So it's more about 
having other people and helping other people learn through my experiences, through my wins and my failures. Um, I've had plenty of wins and I have plenty of failures. I always say it's much easier to learn from somebody else's mistakes. It's a lot less painful. Um, uh, yeah, true. Uh, but, but, you know, having said that, I, I know that I said, no, 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 I can do better. And I try to do it better. And I still, <laughs> I still come out on top. So it's just really giving back, working with, uh, you know, maybe, you know, mid-level uh, executives that are trying to get to the C-suite or people that just are in the C-suite, but they're struggling with some some stuff that I can help them with. So, uh, not, not I wouldn't say, you know, I'm, I'm working, but uh, it's more like a hobby, yeah. um, you know, rather than having to show up to the office at, you know, nine to five every day. Yeah, well, that's uh, that, that's a good thing. But at least you can do that. You're available if someone wants to talk with you, basically. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a good thing, really, because the climate, the business climate, has probably changed a little bit over the years, especially with technology changing it. And all these people are springing up now called digital nomads. And I was talking to one the other day, and uh, she thinks she can move anywhere in the world and just settle down and work from there, which is a cool thing. But when I was growing up, I don't know how, how old you are, Tom. I'm not going to ask you, but we're, <laughs> bit more, but we're older. I'm going to say, we're, oh, we're older, that this stuff wasn't really around when we were growing up, you know, about, you know, working maybe from home. I'm, I'm talking 30 years ago. So it was thought about, but it, we, we couldn't really do it. That's the way it was. So it's good you're still doing the mentoring stuff. And then you wrote this book called C-Suite, is it and Beyond? C-Suite and Beyond? Yes. Okay. Tell us about that. It's about your mentoring and uh, your advice to upcoming companies, but go ahead. Well, C-Suite and Beyond is really a collection of lifetime stories where I was living all over the world and, and leading businesses all over the world. And it's just lessons uh, from those. And it's a combination of funny stories that happen to us, you know, either personally or uh, at business and, and kind of taking those stories and, and putting them in context with uh, leadership principles. And the way the book was born, uh, I started writing uh, personal stories because when you're a public speaker, you want to reach into a bag of personal stories whenever you are, um, you know, on stage or in, an, in, in a yeah. different environment, because Two things. One is it relates to the audience much better. You know, they they learn from much much better rather than facts or you yeah. know personal stories always. And by the way, the Irish are great at personal stories. So uh, if you want to hone your skills great at any storytelling, yeah. that go to Ireland and <laughs> spend six months there, and then you learn a lot. Um, so that's you know the one thing, and the other thing is just you know when you're speaking, it's just much easier to remember personal stories because they are stories, so you can't really forget them. Oh, absolutely. It makes you sound like just a regular human being. And another thing you said, we all make mistakes. For somebody somebody who says, I've never made a mistake, or you ask someone if they built a business or career, I said, would you have done anything different? And if they say no, I, I have difficulty believing that because there's always something you could have done better along the way. But it's all a learning experience, I think, and that's the key from it. So I think it's a good thing to uh, express moments of failure we all have them and it's well, best to be honest to to everyone about it yeah yeah and, and uh somebody did ask me that question one time uh would you do anything different i said well look you know maybe but even if i did something different i guarantee i screwed that up too so <laughs> yeah <laughs> so I, I would just make different mistakes if i did differently and uh you know maybe i ended up in the same place maybe i would end up somewhere different uh but that's kind of 
you know, where I come out. And then just to kind of wrap up the, uh, you know, the book. So I got all these personal stories. And then I said, well, man, I have enough personal stories to write a book. And then I said, okay, well, all right, who would read this book? It's a bunch of personal stories. And why would they read it? So I put a little structure around it. And one of the things that I found uh, was there was um, in certain stories, I said, okay, well, well, that's when I was pretty successful. And then certain stories, I was like, well, that's where I wasn't so successful. So then I came out with these, what I call the four keys to leadership success. They were always common when things were working well. And then one or more of those principles were missing when things were not working so well. So that's uh, how I kind of put the book together. It's an easy read because it's just uh, a couple of principles that I think worked in my life and it works in other people's lives and illustrated with a, with a bunch of stories that are easy to read. So uh, hopefully, you know, you pick it up and you learn from it. And if you got questions, reach out to me and I'll help you. What are these four factors you mentioned there, four keys? What, what are those? They're, um, well, be, before the four keys, the one I like to say is, look, uh, we're all trying to influence each other. So, you know, if you're a sales guy, you're trying to influence the purchasing person to buy your product. If you're a purchasing guy, you're trying to influence uh, the sales guy to give you a better discount or your, or your better terms. If you're a marketeer, you're trying to influence the consumers yep. to, you know, buy your brand. So, you know, life is about influence. And, um, you know, the way you can influence people uh, and the way you can influence situations uh, is, is through these four keys. It just makes it, you know, a little bit easier. Uh, and the four keys are uh, basically the first key is, is a person's character. Yeah. And a, pers a person's character is pretty much a equivalent to a, an organizational culture. Yeah. So if you're an organization, you better have a good culture uh, and you better do it by design because if you don't pay attention to it, I guarantee you will have a culture, but maybe a culture you don't want or you don't like. Yeah. So, you know, spend some time designing it and living it, not just design it and make it on a website or posters, but having it part of the DNA of that organization so everybody lives it. And the same thing with, a, you know, a person's character. Uh, there's a thing that's called a person's character, which is how they perceive themselves to be. You know, and, and there's a person's uh, reputation, how other people perceive them. And if if you're a good guy uh, and you walk the talk and, and people will buy into you when your character lines up with your reputation. If there's a disconnect between your character and your reputation, then people probably don't follow you and yeah, they probably yeah. don't buy into you. There's that element of trust. I just always found this, especially on the international scene, is, and I learned this from previous mistakes, is whoever you go to whatever country you visit or whatever you go to so just learn a bit about their culture the business culture because this does differ from ours and also learn a little bit about the history of the place you go into so it gives that impression uh, to whoever you're going to see said well they've taken care to learn a little bit about us i like that and ultimately as you said they've got to trust you almost become friends and that's a big thing and it typically works so um it's important it's a it's a continuous learning thing. I like learning yeah. something new every day. I, I, you know, I, whether I pick it up walking around here or I think about something or I got to have to check that out, but um, I like learning something new every, every day. It keeps me going, I guess. So, you know, when I was in Eastern Europe, I, I could tell you how many times I went into the trade and, uh, you know, you have a meeting at nine o'clock in the morning uh, and you're in the trade, you know, trade, you know, head buyer's office or something. And, you know, out comes a, you know, a little bottle of moonshine and you're, you're expected to take a shot at nine o'clock in the morning. It was like, 
okay, well, it's, you know, if that's how, what it takes for me to relate to the individual, yeah, you know, why not? And, and Mexico, <laughs> you know, Mexico was a great example. I had a local distributor, Paco, a uh, wonderful, jolly old guy. And, and Paco says, hey, hey, Tom, uh, I'm going to invite you to my house for uh, an afternoon event, you know, just to introduce you to, you know, some of the local trade. So, yeah. You know, by the way, you know, in Mexico, when the invitation says it's at 2 p.m., don't show up at 2 p.m., show up at 4 p.m. So, you know, Kathy and I get there at 2 p.m. and uh, there's nobody there. You know, Paco is actually not just starting to make this paella. And, you know, the, the paella had to be about, you know, the dish had to be about three feet wide, you know, uh, and, and probably about, you know, 12 inches deep or 10 inches deep. So it's just like a huge dish of, uh, of paella. And, and I'm looking at there's a tent with tables inside the tent, that's probably about, you know, seating for about, you know, 150 to 200 people. <laughs> like Paco's throwing a little party in our honor, <laughs> right? Um, but, you know, one of the things uh, is is just to mingle and, and talk with the local individuals. And so, you know, eventually about, you know, four, five, 6 p.m. people start showing up. The party gets going and, uh, you know, the pie is ready. So I, I walk up and I fill up my plate with a bunch of, bunch of chilies and, you know, other stuff. And, uh, you know, I walk back and, you know, all the, all the locals are looking at me like, here's a stupid gringo doesn't know how hot these chilies are. So <laughs> I, I, I'm Hungarian. I love hot food. So I, I suck down the chilies with the rest of the good stuff. And I go back for seconds. Uh, and, and, you know, just a little thing like that, you know, as, as I was going around the tables and starting to get, you know, talk to folks and they said, man, you can eat those chilies, right? You know, we're laughing at oh, you, yeah. but, you know, we're, we're impressed. So, you know, just by the fact that you ate some chilies, you know, I, 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 you know, I got some scoring points and it must've been probably about one, two o'clock in the morning. And, uh, you know, I got another compliment of this. We can't believe you're still here. I said, why? He said, well, you know, most of the, uh, you know, the gringos, expats, they come, they say a few words and they leave. You know, I said, why would I want to leave? I'm having a great time. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting to you, getting to know you folks. We're having great food. We're having great drinks together. Why, I, well, why would I want to leave? It's, it's just a lot of fun. Um, and, and what I learned in, in, in Mexico, and, and I'm sure this is, you know, true in other countries as well. You know, it, it's a given in their minds that whatever you're selling, whatever you're representing, the product we're representing, they give you the assumption that's going to be okay. Yeah. Uh, but the first thing they want to know is, okay, who, who am I dealing with? You know, what are they like? What's their character like? Uh, what do they believe in? What makes them tick? You know, yeah. and also, you know, you got to bring your wife and your spouse because that also tells them a lot about you and on, you know, who you married and, yeah. And, you know, what their character is like. And, and then once they understand, you know, I call it the Mexican dance. You, you probably, you know, do it about two, three, four times um, of, of lunch and meetings and everything else without a business commitment because they just want to know who they're dealing with. Exactly. And, you know, and then once they figure out who they're dealing with, they just assume, well, yeah, if this guy is a good guy, he's not going to represent any crappy old product. So, yeah, sure. You yeah, know, because we could rely on him. It's, it's funny okay. with Mexico. Your, your story came to mind two o'clock in the afternoon. The guy I was with him, this was in Mexico City, he said, Mal, let's go for a bite to eat for lunch. He went to a local place. And he said, while we're here, try one of the local uh, tequilas. I said, okay. Well, it's, it's late in the day. They can do that now. We started work seven in the morning. He said, well, have another one. So we we drank four tequilas for lunch. And and he's, he's used to it. He said, and it was about 4.30 in the afternoon. He said, oh, Mal, we got another sales meeting to go to now. 
I, I said, what? <laughs> yes. And it's normal. I said, I said, are you kidding me, Mario? He said, no, no, no. It's, it'll be all right. It'll be all right. And uh, I was on breathing tequila fumes over a person I've never met before. Uh, so I, I don't know. That was that was a bit different, but it's the way they are. They're a uh, fun group, though. Well, that's, you know, it's not uncommon uh, in Mexico and also other parts of the world. They, they take a long lunch, you know. Um, but then, you know, my team that had, we, we may take a two, two and a half hour lunch. But then, you know, we go back to the office at 4.35 p.m. and it worked till like 7.38. Yeah. So that was that was not uncommon in, in Mexico. Yeah, well, they do. I find it all Latin America. They have a great work ethic. There's no doubt about that. And uh, so it was a, a pleasure. I have some great memories from down there. And I, I think you will agree, uh, even all the traveling you're doing, the business you're doing all over the place, you have a lot of stories to tell. And you can treasure these, look back on them later on in life. Hopefully, you've got pictures. And it's good that you're writing about it, actually. That's excellent. Is this your first book, or have you got others, or...? So this was my first uh, experiment, and I wanted to just see how successful it's going to be. Uh, and, and it's actually doing okay. Uh, but the way I put it together, you know, with the four keys, uh, it allows me to write a follow-up book on each one of those keys. Okay. So, so you know, this, this way, it's, it's, I, I guess this would be a, a quote-unquote summary. Uh, and then what I could do is I can do a deep dive in each one of those keys and then and publish a book on each one of those. So I'm already working on the culture piece. Um, you know, mm-hmm. hopefully they'll be out in the next, uh, you know, nine to 12 months. Yeah. And, okay. Uh, I mean, you know, I, we'll see. I think it's also good just to do for you, yourself. And I asked my mother, my mother always said, why don't you write a book, Malcolm? I said, why? And she said, it's so you can read about stuff you did earlier on in life and you look back on that. And I said, yeah, I probably could just read some of the things I got up to earlier on in my life and think, who the hell is this guy? Oh, it's me. And, you know, <laughs> uh, as I'm lying there and they're trying to pull the plug, um, I don't know, but it's something I thought about doing. So I've written a few books, but it's all about either business travel or adventure travel. But it was for a selfish reason. I did it for myself, a sense of accomplishment doing it in the first place, and then also selling it secondary to me. It was a personal thing. But I tell you what, Tom, if you get the urge to do this, but leave yourself plenty of time, I just finished an audible book. Has that ever crossed your mind? Uh, yeah, it was, uh, it crossed my mind to actually take this paper book and make it an audible so people can listen to it. Um, I think it's on the list. Uh, I don't know if it's, you know, the highest, uh, on the prior list. Cause, uh, I, I read a lot of books in my life and, and one of the reasons I wrote it is, is I've been mentored with individuals I never met. You know, I, I've, although I met Rudy Giuliani and I shook his hand one time when he was running for president yeah. at a, at a campaign uh, raiser, uh, I read his book when he was mayor in New York city, there were nine 11. Oh, wow. Um, and it's called leadership and it, it's a great book, right? So in a, in a way I've been mentored by Rudy Giuliani. Um, I've, I've never met Simon Sinek, but you know, I, I read his recent book, which is, it's an excellent book on finding what is your why. Yeah. Right. And then, uh, you know, John Maxwell, I, I read many and many of, of, of his books. Um, and he also, you know, m- mentored me. So it's, uh, it's one of those things where hopefully I can, you know, somebody can, and, you know, somebody can actually learn or, or, you know, gain some experience and perspective from, from reading my book. So you can just reach a lot more people that you never met. 
Exactly. Um, yeah. You know, so that you know, that's also an inspiration for me to write that book. Doing an audible book drove me bonkers. Actually, it took me forever because it's a big editing process, and I had to go through the the uh, quality assurance process at Amazon, which is that's just happened actually. So um, you know, I'm I'm getting there, but it's been a long period of time. But it was something to do through the COVID era. That, that's all I'm saying, <laughs> um, which restricted. Anyway, Tom, uh, you your website is leadership. Disciples, is that what it's called? Yeah, Leadership Disciples. But, you know, if you just type in my name, Tom Caresti uh, or Caresti.com, you'll get to the same one. So, you know, Google will send you over there. We'll find it. Okay, well, good. I know you're on LinkedIn because I just sent you an invite. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, I, I, you're just part of your profile there, but um, but all, all good. Uh, anyway, Tom, look, you know, it's been fun talking to you. Um, and best to look with your, your book, their new book. I'm sure it'll be just uh, great and influential to a lot of people. And if anyone wants to reach out to you, is the best way through your website or uh, LinkedIn, or what's the best way? Best way is to you know go to my website. In fact, uh, I I have a, a free ebook download, so it's not the whole book, but it's like in a summary for the ebook. So uh, I can actually give that to you if you when you do want to publish this uh, uh, this discussion, this dialogue, you can pop it on your uh, readers. But you know yeah. you just fill out a little form. Um, you download the free ebook. Um, you want to you know get the whole book if you like. Yeah. Uh, and then in the contact form, if there's any questions you have for me, just you know type it into the comments and I'll get back to you. Okay, excellent. Oh, you're also a uh, you're associated with John Maxwell, right? Right. Okay. Yeah. I, I looked at that at one time myself, but I never got around to. It. Is that a good thing to do, or was it a good thing to do for you? Well, you know, I met John back in 2000. I think of 2003 uh, when he first uh, published his book uh, Today Matters. Yeah, and and I've I, you know I've been being ben- mentored by John all along, and um, it's good thing is relative. I mean, some people make a great living out of it. Uh, some people just you know use it for personal development. Uh, some people are independent. Uh, some people use it at work where they're employed. Okay. So, Look, you're not, you're not going to go wrong with reading John Maxwell. I mean, he's the guy's um, lived. He's got a lot of wisdom. Yeah, uh, He loves to share that wisdom. So by picking up a John's book or listening to his audio books or just listen, you know, if you can get to see him live, he's, he's just a charismatic uh, man okay. full of wisdom. Okay. Oh, cool. Cool. All right. Well, a- excellent. You've, you've lived uh, a fulfilling life, Tom. Which is good. You're happy with it so far, right? What? Yeah, so far. Well, continue, continue doing it, which yeah. I'm sure you will. And as, you know, even in these fragile times, we gotta got always got to have something to look forward to. I think you're enjoying it down in San Diego right now with your feet in the sand. Now I, I get that. So just taking a break. Um, maybe you'll get back into action uh, uh, a bit, bit later or something. But anyway, all right, well, Tom. Well, thanks again for coming on my program today i really appreciate that some good insight and uh seen your website i may actually take a look at your book as well i you know down da- download it or something like that uh because it's there i, I was intrigued by the title but it's, it makes sense absolute sense now okay tom well thanks again for being here any last words you want to say about anything at all or uh whenever somebody asks me that open question i i always answered it the same way so i want to be consistent uh, look, a, a lot of people live their lives 
unfulfilled. Uh, we talked about character as as one of the uh, uh, one of the keys. So let me just leave your audience with this: um, draw three circles and um, have those three circles intersect in one area, mm-hmm. and put a put a question in each one of those circles. So the first question is, who are you? And the answer for that for myself is I'm a servant leader. And then the second question is, what are you passionate about? That goes into the second circle. Uh, The answer for me is I'm passionate about making other people better, making companies better, uh, Mm -hmm. making products better. And then the third circle and the third question is, what are you good at? And the answer for that to me is I'm pretty good at mentoring and I'm pretty good leading. I get it. Maybe I'll do that myself in three circles, intersecting there. And uh, it's a good thing to do. So, um, hey, Tom, wish you well. Anyway, good speaking to you, Tom. Take care. Good luck with the future. And uh, keep in touch. You as well. Many thanks for joining me today. This is Malcolm Teasdale signing off. Before I do, please check out my website, malcolmjteasdale.com for more information about my travels around the world. Okay, folks, talk to you later. Bye for now. Stay safe.